this thing on? Welcome back to Lexi's Lounge, your home for mind, body, business, and marketing. This no-holds-barred conversation happens every Tuesday with new guest experts, raw conversations, and real tips for lasting change for your mind, body, your business, and your marketing. So grab your cocktail and let's dive in. Sierra, welcome to Lexi's Lounge. Are you drinking anything today? Well, actually, I just finished my second cup of coffee, so now I'm on to a big jug of water, unfortunately. I could drink coffee all day, but, you know, then I might start talking too fast, so we'll go with water. Isn't that the worst when you drink some coffee and then your heart's like, I want to do a million things right now, but I don't know where to start? That's right. Should I have just, yeah, another cup? Will that help? Yeah. I know, right? I love my coffee. Yeah. So for the people who have never met you, can you introduce yourself? Yes. So my name is Sierra. I am from North Dakota, born and raised. We actually live in Tennessee now. We just moved here a few months ago, but born and raised in North Dakota, third generation entrepreneur. I've been around business forever and I've owned, operated, sold, lost, won all sorts of things in small business. So if you have a small business question, I probably have an answer or someone that can get you an answer, but I just really love visiting with entrepreneurs and women that are creating their own life through the small business journey. Oh my gosh. That sounds really stressful, like buying and selling businesses, but your skin looks like you're glowing. So what, oh. you're doing well, sis. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I will say that this point in life, you know, you learn and you mature as you go through hard times and good times. And I'm just loving where I'm at right now in business. So it's pretty good. So what are you doing right now in business? So right now I am a boutique coach. I work specifically with inventory-based businesses. Most of them are small boutique retailers, but we do retailers makers as well. So anyone that exchanges dollar bills for things, I help them build profitability and peace of mind into their business. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I've I you know, what really interested me about you and your journey is I've always like had the idea to drop some kind of merch line, but I'm like I literally have no idea where to start. I feel like there's so many moving pieces in the boutique world. Like, yes. <laughs> so that's probably where you come in, right? Yes. Yeah. Especially helping inventory-based businesses manage inventory because your cash is directly tied to your inventory. And so if you don't manage that inventory correctly, if you have too much or you don't have enough and you lose sales, it can be really overwhelming and confusing, especially for many retailers who are not very numbers focused and don't really live on the scientific side of things. They're more on the art side of things. It can be really overwhelming. So that's yes, where I step in and help out. So you're like the COO. You're like, you be the creative and I'll be the COO, right? Would that be the COO or the CEO? Yeah, like operations. And we do, yeah, helping a lot with systems, processes, which wouldn't naturally be what I would gravitate towards, but I really make it interesting and fun if I can say that. So I think numbers can be really intimidating. So we just break them down. I like to look at it like a big puzzle. You know, we get those beautiful big thousand piece puzzles and we dump it out on the table and everything's mixed up and it's, you know, right side up and upside down. And so we have to like, you know, sort out all the pieces, prop the box up to look at the picture. What are we trying to create? And then we just start with the edges of the puzzle and start to fill it in. So that's what we do with our numbers. Like, let's just look at the picture and let's just sort it out and just take one edge piece at a time and then start to build our story. Oh, I love that you said it like that. Cause 
I feel like my mind is the very tangible, like I have to see it. I have to picture it. There has to be something physical that I can relate the idea to. So you broke that down so perfectly. <laughs> oh, good. Good. Yeah. I'm a really visual learner and most of my clients are too. I mean, boutique retailers, wholesalers, anyone designing anything, we're very visual. So if we can just see what we're trying to do, it's so much easier than these abstract thoughts of profit and loss statements and balance sheets and financials. That's just not very interesting to most of us. Yeah. And then what you're selling and how you're going to set it up, like in your brick and mortar too. Yes, my exactly. Okay. So what is interesting me is I want to know like where you started. Like, do you look back now to when you were a child and there was something that you really gravitated towards, whether it was like a certain subject in school or a certain game or puzzles, or is there anything like that? And now you look back and you're like, oh, duh, this perfectly aligns with what I'm doing now. Yes. So I can look back now and really see I've always always try to find solutions to problems. So that's really interesting that, you know, no one's coming to our garage sale, let's say, or if we had a garage sale, no one's shopping this table. Why? What, what is it about it? Is it where the product is? Is it the price point? Is it how we have it folded? You know, so just going back and looking at all the different times I would see a problem and then try to figure out how to fix it. I think that's what I love doing in small business is figuring out what's going on. How do I need to disrupt? it? How can I be different than how everyone else is doing business? How can we come in and we can fix that problem? So I've been doing that for a long time, ever since I was little. Yeah. So let's use that garage sale example. If you have a table that's not selling, what would you do? So I'm crazy when I have a garage sale because I am constantly moving. I am not the girl who sits behind the cash table and just takes the money. I'm always looking, why isn't someone shopping that? So the first thing I would do is go and rearrange it. Maybe what's on the table isn't rearranged or isn't arranged in a way that's making it desirable for people to shop it. And then if they're still not shopping, I would move things around. So, okay, we're going to move all the men's stuff over here now. And we're going to move all the dishes over here because so much of shopping and retail is psychological. It's just how people perceive the story you're trying to tell. And so do we need to juggle around or move around that story? The same thing with would go with marketing. So one of the businesses I had when I was really young and then built that and grew it through early marriage. And when I had my little, my little ones was a theater acting company. And so trying to figure out, okay, if nobody is buying tickets, is it because of the title of the play? Is it because of where we're marketing or advertising it? Is it who we're marketing it to? Is it, you know, just trying to figure out why something works or doesn't work or if something works really well, what did I do that I could definitely replicate and do again. So just being really observant. I think as entrepreneurs, we get in our mind what we want the consumer to think or to do. And when they don't, we just keep shoving that square peg and watch my TikTok, just, you know, like my Instagram posts, just buy what I put in my store instead of thinking, well, maybe they don't see it the way that I see it. Or maybe that's not what the industry wants right now. And we need to learn to shift and be creative and listen to our customers. Ooh, there. Oh, the, I love this. I love where this is going. I mean, just everything you broke down right there. So first of all, it sounds like you really do have that genuine curiosity about sales and marketing and the whole customer journey of like, well, why isn't this working and how can we make it work? I personally, yes. in my beginning stages of business, I was like afraid to shift things. Like, you know, if you announce something on social media and you're like, it's happening this way. And then like, it doesn't go as planned. I always felt this weird shame of like, well, I'm a failure. Well, I suck. And then 
Yeah. I started getting curious about the process and I started allowing myself to actually play with it, like be more playful in it. Like, well, okay, what if I just did this? Like, what do I have to learn? But I feel like for people that are newer in their entrepreneurial journey, it can be really hard to go outside the line and go into the gray because a lot of things that were sold, especially when you go into like the coaching world, is that this is the one way that worked for me. And so this is how you have to do it. And I feel like in the beginning, I was totally like, well, I got to learn this process. Cause I mean, like there's so many moving parts, so many, yes. I feel like it will take you about five years to actually know what the hell you're doing in business. <laughs> or yes. at least start feeling like you're comfortable, not like on rocky waters all the time. But I think that that was the key. What you were talking about is like the curiosity and being able to allow yourself the grace to change and test and not be rooted in, well, this, this is the right way when it's yeah. obviously not. Yeah. And I think being really interested in being a disruptor in whatever you do, I've never been scared to disrupt an industry. That's great that you've always done it this way. That doesn't mean I have to do it that way. So as an example, now in the coaching space, we all do a master class, we do a free class and then, you know, do it for one day, two day, three day, whatever the funnel looks like. And then you sell people into your product at the end. And this is what we're taught. And this is what we see. Right. But I just hosted a master class and I've never loved like teaching and and then, you know, segueing into the sales pitch. Like I'm not a hard sell. If you want help, I'm happy to help you. So I've always felt uncomfortable with that. And I thought, why don't I just come out at the beginning and tell people what I'm doing? Like everybody knows if they sign up for a free masterclass that you're going to try to sell them something. And so why not be a disruptor? So my last masterclass, I just started off by saying, Hey, if you're here, you know, most likely that I'm going to try to sell you something. So here's what I'm going to sell you. Here's what my program is. Here's what the price is. If you're someone that's a quick action taker, you can sign up right now. You don't even need to pay attention to the whole three-day spiel. But if you're someone who wants more information, you want to learn more about me, then let's hang out for three days. And that felt so much more comfortable. I've never seen someone pitch at the beginning ever. And I thought that doesn't mean that I can't pitch at the beginning. Because going back to like observing the customer's behavior, what do they really need and want? Why do I keep trying to tell them this is how you have to buy if that's not how they want to buy? Like let them sign up at the beginning if that's what they want to do. So I think being really observant and being willing to disrupt whatever industry you're in will help grow your business in the long run. So what would your definition of disruption be for somebody who's like, I hear the word, but I don't know what it means. <laughs> yes. Just doing things differently. So one of the businesses I built was a subscription box for boutique owners. So disruption in that product looked like typically boutique owners go to market. California, New York, Dallas, Atlanta. They go, they go into showrooms, they make purchases. But I thought, why can't we bring market to them? Why, why do they have to travel outside their, you know, business, hire extra help, spend so much on, you know, traveling when we could just bring it to them. And so why not create a subscription box that delivers samples and vendor information right to the boutique owner's doorstep? So that's disrupting. It's just looking at what other people are not doing, where they're missing the boat and how, and sometimes those things work. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes you're too early to market with your disruptive ideas, but sometimes you'll hit it out of the park. Yeah. And I feel like you just, you can't be afraid of, you know, the, one way or the other. Like you just have to try and put yeah. yourself out there. Even, I mean, and if anything, whatever like doesn't work, it's just a great learning experience too. And yes. then you can add that. I know like in the digital world, we don't really use resumes anymore, but like, then you can add it to your list of experience. But think of this. Okay. So you just said we don't use resumes. How can we be really crazy in using an old school idea in a new way that resonates? I don't know. Like, so there 
my mind just goes like, that's really interesting. Could I make a business out of that? Right. I was thinking video resume. Like, yeah. So think of like what people want now and combine it with what they used to, you know? Yeah. Making it better. Or Mm -hmm. like, what are we going to (laughs) do? And you might do it and it might be a flop or it might be too early to the market. People just don't quite, you have to educate them so much on it. But disruption is what's created all of the things that we use, right? Like Instagram and, you know, all the social platforms and Stitch Fix. They did that same thing. Like people don't want to go out and shop. Could we deliver, right? Those are all disruptive ideas. And so if you just keep bringing those to the table, something will work and stick. But if you just stay in your little box of this is how it has to look, you're going to always be behind the eight ball. What do you have to say to people who are in the mindset of, well, it's already been done before me or, well, oh, this person's already doing it. I think we bring our own secret sauce to everything we do. So there's lots of coaches out there, but there aren't any coaches like me that work with inventory-based businesses that use a whiteboard to break down and simplify the way that you look at a profit and loss. Like if I went out and tried to sell profit and loss coaching, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have any clients. But if I can say like, hey, I make the numbers less scary. I help you understand what your numbers are saying about the story of your business. Let's just break it down. Let's fall in love with one number. Maybe that's your margin or maybe that's a sales goal. So the way that I coach, even though there's lots of coaches, is my own secret sauce. And we have to remember that as entrepreneurs, that there might be other people doing a similar work or selling a similar product, but it's how we deliver it that makes us you know, stand apart. And there's a pot for every lid, right? There's a customer for everyone. Yes. I, I love that pot for every lid. What does that mean? What does that say? Like, what is, is that a metaphor? <laughs> yeah. I always think about it with people, you know, you see people and you're like, I don't know if I would, you know, wear that outfit. <laughs> like that's a really interesting combination, but you know, there's a pot for every lid. I always say that. So yes. there's, you know, for every size lid, there's a pot that fits it perfectly. And so while, you know, we might have all sizes lids in our cupboard, we find that matching pot that fits that. And so I think remembering that with our customers, our client bases, our products, our ideas, there's someone that will fit what we're trying to do. And then being okay with saying like, I'm not going to try to put that teeny tiny lid on this massive pot. It's not going to work. It's going to keep falling in the water. It's going to make a big mess. And so instead of trying to continue to do that, just look for the right size pot for the right size lid. Cause we do that, you know, in coaching too, like, oh my goodness, or in product, if we have a boutique or a store, I want everyone to come. And so I'm going to have all the different products so that everybody's happy. Instead of just saying, I'm just going to hone in on who my customer actually is and just work with them and let other people take care of the other customers. Hey, don't mean to interrupt. It's going to be really quick, but we have a message from our sponsors, by the way, hope you love what you're hearing so far now from our sponsor. Hey, it's Alexi McKinley. I'm your host of this podcast and also the sponsor of this podcast because I own UpWest Social and PR. For all my business owners out there, are you looking to grow your brand, expand your reach, become the number one top trusted source in your industry and continually have a funnel of new clients to work with? If you said yes to any of these questions, it's time you join the Be Your Own Publicist program or as I like to call it, BYOP. This is an eight-week hybrid program where you will learn the ins and outs of doing your own PR, essentially becoming your own publicist. For more information or to join, hit the link in the show notes below. Now back to our scheduled programming. Yeah, totally. I mean, I love the way that you break this down because it's so digestible. I can only imagine the people that you work with. They're probably like, I get it. I get it. (laughs) 
bite-sized actionable steps is what we say. Just breaking things down into super teeny tiny bites. Yeah. That's so much easier. It's so much easier to learn in that way too. When you do that, I think about when I first started my coaching, I would give people so much information. Like I would literally like this and this and that and this. And they'd be like, that's a lot of, I don't even know what you just said. That was so much information. Like I have all the information, but I feel overwhelmed with it. And so I got that feedback from a client once she was like, what if we did like shorter trainings instead of like an hour long masterclass? What if we did like a five minute training of 15, like just shorter with one tangible piece of homework that you can do. And I'm like, I would rather do that. Yes. (laughs) But something that you said earlier that stuck out to me that I don't want to forget is when you're talking about just entrepreneurship in general, how it's or not entrepreneurship in general, but how it all comes back to storytelling and the psychology behind it. I think it's really, really interesting when I walk into a store and they have these like carefully thought out plans of where all of their underwear is going to be and then their pants and then their cute shirts and their necklaces and jewelry. Can you spill any secrets about like what kind of psychology you use for that? Because I mean, I'm like, I'm drooling over this. Yes. So in a store, you always want to make sure that you're telling stories. And this is not a unique idea to me. My um, One of my retail mentors worked with me on this many years ago. And he would always say, you have to have a store. Everything in the store needs to tell a story. So when you go to a table, the story might be, you can match this with this, or here's the new arrivals, or here's the colorway story. So that our minds can, again, and break down simple bite-sized steps. This makes sense. This feels really comfortable. I know that I could buy this as a gift and that as a gift. And oh, look, there's beautiful wrapping. How convenient that, you know, because our mind is thinking a million miles a minute when we're shopping. And then there's proven things like the, the way that customers walk through a store. You know, they tend to go in and they go to the left and they make your circle and go around. So just where you put products to make it easy for them, the way that you layer so that when people walk into the storefront, they can't just do a once over with their eyes. I always told, used to tell my gals in my stores, when you merchandise, you have to make people work for what's in the back. Like you want people to think, ah, but what's behind that? Oh, and what's behind that? And what's behind that? So they can't come in and say like, oh, one over with their eyes and not for me and leave. You want to keep people curious too. So those are just some of the things that make people be more likely to like wander through and pick up products in a retail environment. So how can we translate that same keeping people curious into our own marketing, into our businesses, into just everything that we're putting in to our brand? Yeah, that's a good question. I think of it like going out to coffee with someone that's new. Maybe you've been introduced like, hey, you two would be great friends. You should go meet for coffee. This just happened to us when we moved to Tennessee. We don't really know anyone here. We knew a couple of people, but a friend of mine out on the East Coast was like, hey, a really good friend of mine lives actually really close to you. You guys should get together. So it was kind of like a blind date, you know, for us ladies. And you keep that conversation curious. So if I would have just sat down with her and told her everything about me and all the things I've done and just kept talking, talking, she'd have been like, oh my goodness, I cannot wait to leave this coffee date. This is horrible. But I would share something and ask her a question and she would share something and ask me a question. We kept each other curious in that conversation. So if we could do that in our marketing where we're not either spilling it all, like here's everything, hello, make a sale or holding so much back. Cause we've also been in those conversations, right? Where you sit down with someone, you ask a question. They're like, yep, nope. Mm -mm, Those are the words. 
Those and you're like, oh my goodness, let me leave now. Yeah, right. Sure. And so a lot of times if we're selling services, we would tend to do that. I don't want to give too much information because then they won't buy my coaching. They won't hire me to consult them. So it has to be that relationship of here's, here's information. Let's just chat. Now tell me about you. I want to learn about you. Oh, and here's some more things that might be helpful. Now tell me if you've applied those, right? So it's that give and take in service. It sounds like you really come from a relationship standpoint where it's like, listen, obviously I'm running a business. I have this, but also I love what I'm doing and I would love to get to know you more. And I would love to give you this information if it helps you. And if you want to take it to the next level, that's great. If not, that's fine too. But let's, let's have that rapport. Is that yes. correct? Love it. Yes. I love relationships. I mean, there's nothing I love better than going into my client stores. So we're going to be doing a long road trip this summer and I'll post in my paid group and I'll put my map in there. Here's where I'm going to be. Who has a store along the way? Let me come and see you. Like just to get to know my clients, to shop with them, to see them in their environment. Yeah. The relationship side of things, remembering what people care about and realizing too, I think if you're a coach that's listening, don't put your success, what you want for success for your clients on them. So I have clients that do over a million dollars a year in sales and I have clients that do a hundred thousand dollars a year in sales. And their success needs to be defined by them. And then you meet them where they're at. So for me to be like, oh, you only do five grand a month. We need to get you to 50. Maybe that client doesn't want a couple employees in multiple locations. So let me find out what you actually want. What would make you feel successful? How much money do you want to keep and take home? And what does this look like to you? And then let's get you to that goal. And that can look different than another client's goal. That's really important too in the relationship side. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just the fact that you said, what do you want rather than yeah. you shoving your ideas and perceptions and goals for them down their throat because everybody I feel like so many people do that yes so because we people- feel as coaches like service based entrepreneurs we feel more success oh if I got her this then I would feel successful but it's not about us feeling successful it's about bringing them to a place where they have profitability and peace of mind and they feel successful so let's figure that out and dig in and you can't do that without relationship oh 100% I know the old saying of it's not what you know too you know is is like uh well maybe but honestly when it comes to relationship building it 100% is because if you had two people standing on either side of you and then there's another person on the other side of them and this person knows you and this person doesn't know you and then they're talking to the other person then it's like this person on this one side is more likely to tell the other person oh yeah i, I know them love them whatever yeah. but it's like it's it's really about i think the biggest thing is like word of mouth and referrals like that's that's just a perk of building a relationship, which I feel like relationships in general should be the the forefront of business. So that leads me to this question for you. What do you think about befriending your clients? Yeah, that is a really good question. You're treading in deep water, friend. Um, Yeah. So I've actually worked through this to be transparent because it's really scary when you think about crossing that line. It's much easier when we protect ourselves anytime in life, right? Emotionally, physically, when we protect ourselves. So from an emotional standpoint, if we decide we want to be friends with a client, what does that look like? What are those boundaries? 
And will I get hurt? Will they cross that boundary? Will I have to have hard conversations? Maybe we've been hurt by clients before. And so we're really nervous about it. So great example. When we moved here, like I mentioned, I don't know a ton of people, but I have a couple of clients who are here already. They were here in Nashville. And one of those clients, I went out and visited her store and we went out to lunch. Okay, totally fine. Client lunch. Let me get your lunch. We'll visit. And she said, I would love to get together with you and have a cocktail one night. And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. And I'm driving home and thinking, oh my God, this makes me really nervous because how do I keep that client relationship and she's paying me for advice, but now I'm going to go out and be friends. And I thought, you know what, Sierra, part of living big, which is one of the missions that I love to talk through this idea of living big, bold, intentional, grateful is that we lean into with boldness opportunities to invest in people. And so, yeah, I'm, she might screw me and I might get hurt, but chances are I'm going to build a much richer life because I was open to doing something like that. So I said, yes, we're getting together and I probably will be just fine. But I think it's really important for us to remember that we can live in fear and live really small to protect ourselves, or we can live bold, intentionally and gratefully and maybe get hurt along the way, but the experiences will be much sweeter and our life much richer by doing that. So I would say long answer. Yes. Figure out what that looks like, figure out why you're saying yes or no, but don't live in fear. That's just a really ugly place to dwell. I love that. I love that you said it like that and gave that that real life example. Oh, um, it was a struggle. Believe me, yeah. I had like a 45 minute drive and I was like, you know how we talk to ourselves battle. Yeah. I was like, Sierra, but Sierra. I thought, you know what? No, like I'm not going to live in fear that someone may do something to me just because someone has done something to me in the past. What a horrible way to live our life. I just yeah. want to do it. But it, it's, it's just a testament to how naturally we try to keep ourselves safe. We try we to do. keep ourselves yes. comfortable. And I think that that example just in general goes back to everything. That's all the same feeling that we have in business too. Like we could try this, but it could hurt. Yes. We could try it, but we might get screwed over. We could try it, but you know, like there's always the big, but the what if, but I love where you came from with that about like, but what if it pays off? Yeah, exactly. But what if it doesn't work? But what if it pays off? You know, like, I feel like it's so easy for us to go into the, but what if it doesn't? Or what if I yes. can't? What if it doesn't work out? What if the negative, but we never go back for the, but what if it does work out? What if I yeah. do sign that client? What if I do open that office? What if I do fly out there and they love me? Like, what if I turn this into a million dollars? Like, what if, and you never yeah. know until you try. Exactly. Exactly. Well, oh my gosh. I just, this conversation was so, so fun. I have one last question for you. It's going to be really kind of weird, but okay. did, you see that, did you see that trend a couple of years ago on, or maybe it was last year on social media about the way that we process thoughts. Like some people hear their voice in their head and some people see the words. Oh, no, I didn't. That's interesting. Yeah. Some people read the words in their mind and other people hear their voice. Which one are you? Oh, I would hear. I'd hear it. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> if I, I tried reading like, it, I'd be like, wait, what? I got to go back again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I love to right? talk to myself. That's for sure. Right. <laughs> Just be over in the room. I like this. This is good. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sierra, thank you so much. How can people find you and where can they work with you? Yeah. So the best place would probably just be my website, theboutiqueworkshop.com or sierrastockland.com. Just hang out with me there. You can find all my social handles there. I have a couple free master classes. You can coach with me there. So come on over and check it out. Perfect. And I will link 
that below also with her free, what, what's the, what's the freebie you got in there? I have a free, two free masterclasses, the profit first masterclass and inventory genius masterclass. So if you're freaking out about your inventory, I'll make you an inventory genius, or at least I'll try. Ooh, wait, what's, what's profit first masterclass? Yeah. So profit first is a cash management system. I'm a profit first certified coach as well. It's a book written by Mike McCallowitz, crazy long name, but it just helps entrepreneurs manage their cash because as entrepreneurs, we always pay ourselves last or we never pay ourselves. And so with profit first, you manage your pay. So you make sure as an entrepreneur, you get taken care of first by just moving your cash around a little bit differently. Ooh, I feel like that in general is a good, it's so good for every it's entrepreneur. Oh, so good. Yes. Okay. His slogan is that they are eradicating entrepreneurial poverty. I love it. I, okay. I'm going to go click that link myself. Yes. That's so true. I mean, it's so easy to be like, well, I could reinvest this. I could reinvest that. I yes. could pay this. I could do that. I'll hire but- someone else. I'll hire my day will come. Yeah. And then you never pay yourself. And then you, and you work for free forever. And then you hate your job. Yeah, you do. Yep. You learn to resent your business pretty quickly. All right. Link below, guys. Thank you so much, Sierra, for coming. And thank you. Can't wait for this to come out. Thanks. See you later. Hey, thank you so much for being here and hanging out with us in the lounge today. Don't forget to share some love in the reviews, connect with us on social media, and subscribe so you never miss a beat. And can you do me one last favor? Send me a DM on Instagram so I can say, hey, I would love to get to know you more. Until next Tuesday, we'll see you then.